So take your Bibles at this time and turn to 2 Corinthians in chapter number 8. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you'd find your place there. Our theme verse uh, was taught in the Sunday School Hour um, out of 1 John chapter 4. Really, uh, come to love the verse, beloved, if God so loved us. Last week we preached on the everlasting love of God. I, I enjoyed preaching on God's love. Um, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Um, and so we're, we're endeavoring to love God's way, to love God's way, uh, which means that's different than the way that we love, right? Uh, loving God's way. So it's a challenge. I've already been challenged by it several times uh, this year. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm thankful for how God, I believe it's timely in terms of where we are and what we need to hear. So let's look at now at, at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verses 1 through 9. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit or to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, and notice this, and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, Paul is given testimony about them, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. All right, so let me just pause right here. Here's a Baptist preacher saying that he had the people of these churches in Macedonia begging him to take the offering. All right? Usually it's the other way around, right? So here they were. They were saying, please take this offering. And, and you get a sense that Paul was, was obviously somewhat hesitant. We'll explain why here in just a moment. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace. Everybody see that? The same grace also. The grace to what? The grace to give. Grace giving. Therefore, verse 7 as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us. I mean, they had a lot going on, didn't they, in the church in Corinth. He says, see that ye abound in this grace. He emphasizes it again. In this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others. And notice this, and to prove the sincerity of your love, prove the sincerity, the genuineness of your love. So he's used the example of the churches of Macedonia, but look at verse number nine and see that he uses the supreme example of giving in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse nine, 
For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. <laughs> How about that? And so then he goes on in the chapter and in verse 10 to say, I give my advice and this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. In other words, what, what you promised to do a year ago, do it now. Give it now. All right. So uh, in our series uh, here on the theme, Love God's Way, the title of this message is sermon number four uh, in that particular series. And I'm calling it this proof that you love world missions. Proof, proof that you love world missions, giving God's way, giving God's way. Don't get nervous when a preacher preaches on giving. God loves a cheerful giver. So get happy. It'll help the sermon. Hey, you know, I, I know I'm preaching today to a church that loves to give, loves to give. It's a blessing to be able to give. Some of you are going to be challenged in giving on the side of um, a great trial of affliction. Others of you are going to be challenged or tested in giving in a great trial of abundance, a great trial of affliction, or a great trial of abundance. To be honest with you, I think many of us as Americans are actually tried more on this side of a great trial of abundance. Um, so let's, let's think about this here today. I just want to challenge you. I want to use the Word of God, apply it, use it to help us. Proof that you love world missions. May God bless the reading of His Word as you're seated. <clears throat> we'll consider uh, one of the most important chapters, I believe, on faith promise giving. <clears throat> Stories told of an ambitious young man who um, promised God that he would tithe. That means 10%, 10% of his income. By the way, um, that's, that is, uh, that's what's expected of us by God. Um, he ought to receive at minimum the tithe. You know, and all of God's people are, ought to be tithing. So I want to challenge you here before I move on, take a little moment, just to make sure that as a member of this church, that you are tithing, that you are giving. Now, uh, guess we're, we're not expecting you that you'd, you'd be uh, tithing, giving. Uh, this is not the purpose of this uh, message here. But all of God's people that are members of the church ought to be tithing. Amen. So anyways, here's a young, ambitious young man who promised God that he would tithe of his income and he prayed uh, that God would bless his career. And he was really young when he started. He was making just $40 a week. And thus, he was tithing $4. Well, the process of time and the way God blessed his career, it came to the place where he was actually tithing $500 a week. He went to his pastor. He said, Pastor, I, I need to be released from that tithing promise because 
I can't afford to tithe $500 a week. The pastor said, I don't see how that you can be released from your promise of tithing, but we can ask God to reduce your income back down to $40 a week so that you can be tithing again. Peter Marshall, uh, uh, the chaplain at one time, the United States Senate said this, give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. Give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. Someone else said this, it's not how much of my money that I'll give to God, but how much of God's money that I'll keep for myself. Well, I think we need a, a right perspective on these things, don't we? And be reminded of it. Um, in fact, Warren Wiersbe said this, giving is a way of life for the Christian who understands the grace of God. Giving is a way of life for the Christian who understands the grace of God. You know that there's so much in the Bible about giving. I mean, a preacher never has to shy away from preaching about giving. I don't feel like I preach about giving all the time. Now we preach about it when we come to it and then we preach about it on some special weeks, you know, but I, and I realize, I mean, you know, there's the, there's the, uh, the uh, perception of some that, man, the preacher, all he ever preaches about is giving. How many of you remember a message that I preached on giving? It's probably been a while since I preached on giving. I don't remember the last message I preached on giving. So if I don't remember it, you don't either. So anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Another man said, uh, the saint who gives will come to know intimately the God who provides. Isn't that good? How many of you have learned that through your life? The saint who gives, the believer who gives, comes to know intimately the God who provides. I've seen that year by year by year, ever since I was a little child. Many of you have been giving to Faith Promise Missions, maybe ever since you were a child or a teenager or an adult. What a blessing to get to know intimately the God who provides. I mean, he just keeps on giving in ways I never expect. Now, I don't think we should, we should give in order to get. Yeah, I think you understand that, that to be true. I mean, the prosperity gospel would teach that. You give this much and God will give you this much and it's really more self-centered. No, here's what we ought to do. Just give and trust God to give you more so that you can give more. Hudson Taylor. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. I love that. Missionary to China. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. Um, Robert Garland said the problem in being tight-fisted is that the closed fist prevents us from receiving any more from God. When we open, when we are open-handed rather with others, our hands are open so as to receive more. Think about your hand, your wallet, your purse as being a funnel that God is going to funnel some your way to give to others. I'll never forget um, preaching on this particular passage. It's probably been, been back in 2017, somewhere right in there. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We were out in the gym. I remember that much at least. Um, and we were renovating the auditorium. And so I'd preached on this passage, and after that, Miss Grace Landy came and told Angie a story about her dad, the Spolstras, Brother John Spolstras, a missionary in the Netherlands, and, but he uh, would make some trips to Romania. And said he was uh, there and preaching on this particular passage and, and trying to get across to the people the idea of faith, promise, giving. And so after the service, he said that the people left right away. They left right away. And so Brother Spolstra was wondering, did they understand the message? Did something get lost in, you know, in, in the translation? He said it was really silent during the service. <laughs> and after the service, 
And everybody left very quickly. But then they started coming back and they came joyfully. And they were bringing eggs and chickens and milk and other products from their home because they had just heard a message on giving and realized that they should be giving and they went home and got what they had and brought it back. So if you have any chickens, we'll receive them out. <laughs> you know, it can be a struggle to give. I mean, if, if your heart's not right, it's a struggle. And then it can be a struggle to give right. The, the uh, Corinthians here were in such a struggle. They had made a commitment a year ago. They had made a commitment a year ago, according to what Paul said here. They had promised. We could say they had promised. What they had promised was to be a help to uh, the saints in Jerusalem. Agabus had prophesied that there would be a famine. And the famine came. And so a lot of the saints living in Jerusalem were poor. And, and so here are these Gentile churches up in Macedonia, which would be like churches like Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea, these churches of Macedonia. And then this church in Corinth. And other churches, Gentile churches, predominantly Gentile believers. There would be some Jews mixed in there, but predominantly Gentile believers. Well, they wanted to give back to the church in Jerusalem, the believers in Jerusalem. So they wanted to be a blessing to them because they had been recipients of a blessing. We have the scriptures today because God used the Jews. We have Messiah today and the Lord Jesus Christ because God used the Jewish people to bring the Messiah. So as Gentiles, they were looking at it even that way. It's a blessing. It's a privilege to be able to give back because we've been such recipients. Well, Corinth promised uh, to do so a year ago. Now, a year ago, uh, Southwest Baptist Church, like the church has done, uh, since 19 and 60, I'd have to go back and look at the records. records. I've got actually every year as Southwest has given to Faith Promise Giving. Um, and so for several, several years, believers of this church have given uh, for many, many years on Faith Promise Giving. This is above the tithe. Uh, and it's just a free will offering. There's no place for your name on here. There's a place for your Sunday school class because we, you know, we track it that way. But that's the only way. And it's just what you and God determine that you're going to give. Well, that, that's really what they did. Now, I'm preaching this because a year ago we made a promise. In fact, uh, our promise a year ago was one point. Once you take the, uh, the 15 percent of the general fund. You say, well, why, is, why does 15% of the general fund go from the general fund into the missions fund? Well, that's the way that churches used to do it back in the day. They would take 10% or 15% and they would, that would be their missions. So they would transfer that over from the general fund into the missions fund and that's how they did missions. Um, men like Carl Boonstra and others began to preach faith promise giving and so many churches started to do that. They would take a faith promise card, commit that. So a year ago, we committed over $800,000 to faith promise giving. But in addition to that, Southwest, under the leadership of Brother Bert Harrison, continued to do the 15%. So I think that's a blessing. In fact, I'll tell you what, I believe God has blessed Southwest Baptist Church because of the commitment to worldwide missions. I truly believe we are blessed in proportion to what we're doing in world missions. A year ago, we committed that we would give 
uh, $800 some odd thousand dollars in faith promise missions. 15% came over as well. We, we tally it that way. Many of you know that. Um, this maybe would new, be new to some, but, but anyways, that would put the goal as of last year at, at um, uh, $1.2 million, $1.28 million. Well, by the, by the grace of God, we exceeded that goal on January the 9th. So if you look at the back of your bulletin today, it's at 1.4. Nearly 1.5. That's a blessing. That, that means that there's that much money going to the mission field or in preparation to help those that are going to go to the mission field or to help in children's homes and other things right here in the United States because there's a need here as well as there is on the foreign field. Man, that's a hallelujah. I didn't realize it was that much until I looked at the bulletin this morning. So you say, why are you preaching this message then? Sounds like everybody's giving everything they're supposed to give. Well, number one, I don't know that because you made an individual commitment. And so if you're behind, anybody else ever been behind before <laughs> catching up? Sure. Well, you made a promise. I think you ought to follow through on it. Does that make sense? Made a promise, you ought to uh, fulfill that promise. But also this, uh, this is not the time to slack off in missions giving. It's the time to move ahead. In fact, I, 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 I want to be very grateful and thankful. And I think all of us should be in the way that you responded. I think that you are. I rejoice that God's enabled us to give that much. That's a real blessing. But there's a danger right there. Let us not grow complacent. Because I, I wonder if we're doing everything that we could do or ought to do. Uh, in faith promise missions giving even. And so here's a church that had promised a year ago uh, to give and yet they were not coming through. Not coming through. Wonder why. Wonder why. What, what was going on in Corinth that would prohibit that? But I'm also preaching it for this reason as I know that you would understand. We've got opportunity to give again this next year. If Jesus tarries is coming, let's just keep going on this. You know, I, church, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I do know. I, I just want to kind of preach heart to heart this morning and tonight that um, we can't take for granted that this is just going to happen every year. I mean, we've got to, we've, we've spiritually have got to be prepared to say, God, would you do through us what, what you want to do? You're, you're, you're not doing this for a preacher. You're not doing this for a church. You're doing this for the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, ultimately, and, and the need for world missions around the globe. I mean, you know, I mean, you think about it. I mean, we could take 1.4 million and use it right here on the property. You think how many buildings we could have if we, I mean, for the last several years, we've done 1.2 million. We could have multi-million dollar facilities. We could have a brand new gym three times. Well, maybe not that many times. I forgot how expensive things are today, Right. <laughs> I'd much rather see our offerings on the foreign field than right here. I, in fact, I, I'm praying that God would, yeah, sure, increase our seating capacity. That'd be wonderful to even to see more people say right here and join in this church. But I'm, I'm praying that God would increase our sending capacity, that God would call more out of this church. You, is that right for a preacher to pray for people to leave the church? <laughs> When it comes to missions, yes. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, what a blessing it'd be. You know, uh, Miss Sarah that's here today was reached through a friend day, actually, 
neat story. Brother Micah, that I introduced you to, I know many of you know Brother Micah Reasoner. Well, he was working at a bank and she was working at the bank and he invited her for friend day and then later they got married. You never know what will happen through friend day. That's pretty awesome. Now they're missionaries in Russia. That's wonderful. But how many of us would love to have Mike and Sarah Reasoner here and at Southwest Baptist Church and Leah and Chloe and Micah Jack. I mean, come on, we'd love to have them here as part of our church family, but I'm glad God called them out and sent them to Russia because Russia desperately needs the gospel. So does the United States of America. So does Oklahoma City, Moore and, and Bethany and all the surrounding area. Absolutely, there's no doubt about that. But friend, listen, we've got to recognize that there's a lot less access to the gospel in the foreign field than there is right here in the United States of America. And so we need to pray that God would continue to use us as a sending church and and. and and use us as a giving church and not take for granted that we're just always going to be a giving church because watch this, if we don't keep our hearts right with God, we'll lose it. And if there's not another generation coming up, I just stopped by the two-year-old class on the way here this morning, you know, just walking around during, uh, during Sunday school hour or before Sunday school hour. If you're, if you're kind of dragging in on a Sunday morning, let me encourage you what to do. Just go by the two-year-old class, you'll get energized. And you'll thank God for your adult Sunday school class, right? And I thank the Lord for Miss Amy and others that are there. But, but you know, I saw those little kids and I saw Brother Corey Bigelow and Miss Amanda and they were working with them and others that were helping out there. And, and from a little child, they're learning to love the Lord and love missionaries and love, love world missions. And I really, really, I believe, in fact, I told Miss Amy, I think this may be one of our most important classes on the property today because they're learning from a child that God is. And that God loves them and God loves all the people of the world and red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Thank God for that. And, and so there needs to be a new generation coming up. And thank God there has been a new generation coming up right here at Southwest Baptist Church of young people that, that are catching the vision for world missions. But we can't just think that that's automatic. We got to dig back into God's word and see how much God loves the people of the world and let his burden, his passion become ours. And so here's a church that, that God had saved them. I mean, dramatically saved many of their lives. You, you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and you'll see that some of them were drunkards, and some of them were adulterers, and some of them were fornicators, and some of them were homosexuals, and God saved them out of all those lifestyles. He saved them, and by His good grace, changed their life and, and gave them a heart for other people. And they had some issues, let me tell you. You know the book of 1 Corinthians? You know, the book of 2 Corinthians, I mean, they had some issues. In fact, um, they had some sin in the church that they weren't dealing with right. And Paul wrote to them and, and uh, told them that you got to deal with this right. And, and so here, here's what happened. They actually got, a, they got crossways with Paul. They got upset with Paul because he was correcting them. You know, one of the worst things you could do is get upset when somebody's trying to help you. Somebody's trying to, anybody in here need correction along the way of life? All of us do. And that's where they were. They were sideways with the preacher and, and somebody that loved them. Well, here's what happened. Uh, I'm trying to give you a little bit of the background as to why maybe they were slacking off on their giving. Okay. While they were crossways with the preacher, uh, here's what happened. Some individuals came in who were offering them to go in a new direction, a new way. Uh, the term we use back in 2 Corinthians, if you remember this, is interlopers. Some interlopers came in and they had some 
new ideas about how God is to be served. And, and really, it was Judaizers that were coming in and causing some problems. And, and so I, I just, boy, there's a lot to preach right here. I'm trying to think how much of this do we have time for. How long can y'all be here? I mean, today, I don't know how long you can. Um, I, I just want to issue this warning. Be careful when your heart is out of sorts with God and out of sorts with spiritual leadership because there come some people in your life that aren't good for you spiritually. They don't have a right attitude. They don't have a right outlook on things. And they could come in and have an influence on you. And I think that's what, part of what is happening here in Corinth is that these interlopers came in and tried to make them think that they were superior to Paul. In fact, they started running Paul down and saying, he didn't really want to come to see you. And you think he's really, you think he's really in, in the ministry just because he loves the ministry? They were trying to make him look like he loved money. They, they were trying to make him look like he didn't have credentials. He didn't have papers from Jerusalem. And Paul's going to write to them, actually, you're my, you're my papers. You're, you're my living letters. You're, you're my living epistle. You're proof that, that God's hand is on me. So Paul spent the first seven chapters basically saying this. Here's the approach I take for ministry. I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it for the Savior. And so he, he spent time doing that. Why? Why did, they, why did they not follow through on their giving? Well, did they forget? How many of you have forgotten the offering? I have. You know, we, Saturday night is shoe shining time and, all, and ironing clothes time and um, offering time. Right? But sometimes Saturday nights even can get busy, even for the preacher. Right? So sometimes maybe you forget the offering and, and you get it in later. Hey, we've all forgotten the offering. I don't think that's what happened here. I don't think it was that. Um, it could be that they were so involved in all the other types of ministry, utterance, faith, all these other things that Paul mentioned that they didn't think too much about giving. There's a danger right there that if you teach or you preach or you're involved in ministry, you can think, you know, I don't think God expects me to give very much money because I'm giving a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, watch out for that. Yeah. yeah. But I think really what was going on is that things weren't right spiritually with them. And because things weren't right spiritually, then things weren't right financially. Did you hear that? Things weren't right spiritually, and so things weren't right financially. These interlopers that I mentioned a moment ago, these individuals that came in, they're downgrading Paul, upgrading themselves. So probably what happened is they siphoned some of that offering off on themselves. It's highly possible. Can't prove that, but there's a possibility that some of their offering that they would have, that would have been going to the poor saints in Jerusalem never made it there because it stayed right there in Corinth with those false teachers. Now, you say, well, that's not our situation today, but I wonder how much of, of missions money is tied up in cell phone plans. <laughs> oh, great. Here comes the conviction, right? Here comes... <laughs> you say, preacher, it's a man. It's too early for application. <laughs> I wonder how much uh, missions money is tied up in cars and houses and boats and motors and electronics and TV plans, Direct TV or whatever plan it is that you're paying. And I, I'm not. I'm not against all those, as long as you're not using that to get the world in your life. 
But I wonder how much of missions money has been held back because God's people have allowed other influences to come in that's kind of siphoned it off where it could have gone. You say, man, you're ungrateful because look, yeah, there's one point nearly $5 million has come in and now you're saying that there's people that aren't giving. I'd say today there's probably people here that aren't giving or people here that aren't sacrificially giving that are um, giving God token attention when they could be doing quite a bit more. I personally believe, and I'm convicted, that, that um, your faith promise giving ought to look something like a car payment. You know. Uh, oh man, I, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you how important is world missions. You know, you're making um, X amount of dollars, say, you know, $60,000 a year and you're giving $20 a week, $10 a week. Does that really mean that you really believe faith promise missions is important? Well, it's getting quiet in here like it did in Romania. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to reason this out here. Because I, I really believe there's, there's those two spectrums on it. That, that there's some that are giving out of their poverty that, that really could have an excuse for not giving. And, and then if you can just allow me just to be pretty straightforward with you here this morning, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but if the word offends somebody, then I, I can't help you there. I don't want my way of coming across to be offensive, but, but it could be that some here are in a great trial of abundance and you're spending way more on yourself than you are on the Lord's work. And I say even woe to the church that spends more on itself than it does on world missions. And we're living in a very fluent time. I, hey, I realize, I mean, America's undergoing some financial stress. And, and I, man, I was watching the gas go in my truck yesterday and thought, man, is some of it going out on the ground? You know what I mean, Brother Ted? I mean, I thought is some of it, because I've had that happen before. You're like, it didn't click off, you know, like it's supposed to. And then the next thing you know, I mean, gasoline is pouring out. Because, I mean, it clicked, it clicked, well, uh, it clicked 50. And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. 50, I mean, I was, I, I was low, but I didn't realize I, I don't think I've ever been that low. <laughs> Prices are up. Gas is up. Utilities are up. Groceries are up. Meat is up. And, and, and God made us to eat meat. Not everybody does, but he, he's not against it. I'm for it. He told Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat meat. <laughs> but now that meat is pretty expensive. I'm just simply saying, if, if you don't go into this missions conference with the right mindset, you could say, mm, mm, I don't think I can give that much again. I don't think I can give very much because if that's the case, that's that trial of affliction. Um, that's where the churches of Macedonia were. I mean, here, here they were and they were in the midst of a civil war and they were in the midst of persecution and, and Rome had taken away a lot of their finances. I mean, really, listen, listen this morning, they, they were experiencing true 
poverty. As Americans, sometimes I think we consider poverty if I only get to go to the coffee shop twice a week rather than four times. Right? Oh, man, this isn't going over like I thought it would. But, but sometimes, I mean, what we consider to be poverty is nowhere near what these people were experiencing. And, and Paul was saying, listen, I, I want you to think about this church in Corinth. I want you to think about this because here's a church of Macedonia, these churches of Macedonia, and they had so little to give. In fact, they, they had really excused maybe not to give. In fact, when you saw that they entreated us, that's the reason I hit that a little bit because they, Paul said they came to him. He didn't, he didn't have to go to them. They came to him and said, listen, we want to give. And I'm sure Paul was saying, how can you do that when you have so little? Now there's, there's folks here in this church. I don't know what anybody gives, by the way. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't want to know as a pastor. I, don't, I know what I give and that's it. That's all, that's all I want to know because that way I can just preach to you and that way you don't think, man, preacher's preaching because he's got me in his mind because he's checked my financial record. Nope, I don't know it. I don't want to. Mm -mm. I've seen some churches before that list financial giving of individuals out, on the, out in the wall in the foyer. That's some motivation right there. I'm not sure that's motivated by grace, but... but Anyways, um, God knows what you give. And, I, and, I, and I, I surmise, though I don't know facts, I, I conclude that there are people here that are giving and they're on a fixed income. There's some elderly here that just have a, a certain amount coming in and they are giving. I would imagine, again, I'm speculating here, but just... You're not, okay, you say, man, $1.5 million? This must be a rich church. No. You're not looking at a bunch of rich people. Can I get an amen right there? We're not a bunch of rich people. We're, what happens is when we're all doing what we ought to do before God, God brings it all together and it works together. Amen. It's a wonderful picture. So what, I'm, what I pray that God would help us is this, 100%. That 100% of us would be tithing. That 100% of us would be involved in faith promise missions giving. 100% because really, when we think about it the right way, it is grace giving, which means this, I give according as God helps me to give. So that there's an equality. That's what Paul wrote about there to the Corinthians. He says, listen, it's not just on one family or one individual. Everybody ought to be involved in giving. And thus it's grace given. He says, I would do you to win of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia that out of a great trial of affliction that they out of their abundance and their joy, they gave even when it was really difficult for them to give. Here's why. They first of all gave of themselves because when you give of yourself, you don't have a hard time giving of your wallet. And then when you keep in mind, I wouldn't have had this in the first place had God not given it to me. So I've got this offering plate here. A few moments ago, I, um, I slipped a 20 to Brother Sam <laughs> Benzwanger and uh, said, I'm going to come by with the offering plate. Or I told him, oh, I'm going to give this to you. And I want you to give that in the offering. It's my money. <laughs> I gave it to him. You know what his, <laughs> can I tell him this? Oh, yeah, thank you. You know his first question, can I keep it? <laughs> 
<laughs> Actually, all I told him was, hey, I've got an illustration. Uh, I'm going to give you this 20. <laughs> so then he asked, can I keep it? So, all right, so the offering's coming by, and uh, I've given him that. That's a 20. That's good. Good job, Brother Sam. Let me ask you this, Brother Sam. How hard was that for you to give? Not hard at all. <laughs> if I did this every week, if I gave you a 20 every week, you wouldn't have any problem in the world giving it to you. Okay, that's good. Do you see the principle? Every week, I'm just putting in the offering what God gave me that week. I mean, when I was a little kid, my mom and dad used to give me, or my mom gave me a whatever, a quarter to give, you know, or whatever. It was real easy for me to give there. In fact, it was fun. I'm, I love giving somebody else's money. This is hilarious. Um, remember this, our heavenly father gives us every week what we have. We're actually only giving him what he's given us to give. There's a great trial of affliction on one hand, but then there's also this, a great trial of abundance on the other, a great trial of abundance. And that's what Paul was saying to them that, listen, um, they're in these devastated locations and it's hard for them to give because of their circumstances and yet they're giving. And the reason they're giving, the proof of their love was that they were giving sacrificially by the grace of God. Now grace saves us, we understand that, but also grace is in the form of God's help. He enables us to give. So they gave in this great trial of affliction because God enabled them to give. But he's saying now to the, to the Corinthians who lived in a very prosperous area, it was a seaport town, business was booming. They, they were not having trouble giving because they didn't have the means to give. They actually had the means to give, but they were holding back. They were holding back in their abundance. And Paul is saying to them, I, I want to encourage you. In fact, he didn't even say, I command you. Did you notice that? I think that's long about verse 8 or so. I'm not saying this to you by commandment. I'm saying this by the forwardness of others. In other words, the zeal of others on this side. You see how they're giving sacrificially? Follow that example. But I, I'm imploring you also, as you, and by the way, they had been getting their heart right. Now they're back on better terms with Paul. They're getting things right. They dealt with the sin that was in the church. They dealt with the strife that was in the church. If you remember, there was also that party spirit. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. There was a strife within the church. And listen, if, if a church or church members are in sin or, ch or church members, members are in strife, sin and strife are very distracting to the work of the gospel. And if you begin to get that right, then you give willingly, grace giving, same thing, just like it is for those that are in poverty. Now you're giving even out of your abundance. And I would imagine the church in Corinth was even able to do financially more, but actually they did exactly the same. You say, well, how do you, what do you mean? I thought you said they could do more. Yeah, if you, did the, if you ran the numbers on it, sure, this church could probably do a lot more than that church in terms of the bottom line and the numbers. But the way that God looks at it because of what he enabled them to do and what he enabled them to do, they actually did the same. In fact, really, they gave more even than the token that they gave because they gave willingly of themselves by grace and they were being stingy with it. Just like Jesus, when he saw the widow lady giving all that she had, she, he said she gave more than the rest of them because she cast in all that she had. So God is, is not concerned about the amount as much as he is concerned about the heart. 
So he motivates them. For, look at verse number nine. Look at verse nine as we come to his conclusion as far as the reason why they ought to do this. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? Rich, yet for your sake he became what? Poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. That was the supreme example. The Lord lessened his wealth that he might make us rich. He became poor. He who dwelt in heaven and all the splendor of heaven became poor and lived on earth as a man. So that you and I who lived on earth as men could live in heaven. He, he became poor that we might be made rich. So Paul's point is this. If God was so willing to show you that kind of love, how could you be stingy with what he's given you to show love to others? Proof that you love world missions. I realize uh, this church loves world missions and may God help us to always love world missions. The proof of that is that we are a giving church. In fact, it's a way that we prove the sincerity or the genuineness of our love. Now, I realize we could give for the wrong motivation. We want to be seen. We want to be known. That's, that's totally wrong. Or we could give because, man, if I don't give, God will get me. No, that's not the right motivation. Here's the right motivation. God, you've been so good to me. I'm so blessed. And what I have, you've already given me in the first place. It is a blessing and joy. Don't allow Zachary. Zachary's coming here representing China, missionary to China. He said this. Don't allow your spending to determine your giving, but allow your giving to determine your spending. There's a test next Sunday morning in Sunday school. You say, man, I didn't think we had tests in Sunday school. We got a test next Sunday. Faith Promise card is going to be passed out. It's a test. Some of you will be over here. Man, the price of gas. My car barely got me here. I don't know. You could be tested right here. Is that right? But some of you will be tested over here, and you've got means. But you're going to give just a little bit because mm, you like the affluence of your life. Sometimes material wealth covers up spiritual poverty. Jesus inspected the churches. When he came to the church of Laodicea, they said this, we're rich. We've got all these goods. But Jesus said, you're poor. And you're naked. And you don't even see that while you're living in your material wealth, you're actually living in spiritual poverty. Now, I'm not saying today, please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying today that, that God wants you to to 
be poor and sell your house and give it all to missions. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying this. You better make sure that his mission, world missions, is your priority. Your priority. It may be that missions is somewhere in your life, but it's after all these other things. And what God wants you to do is say, you know, put me first. Trust me. Trust me. And you'll, you'll, you'll see his provision in a great way. Grace giving. Proof that you love world missions. That you give sacrificially based on God's grace. Now I want to ask you this. Have you experienced God's grace? Have you experienced His grace and salvation? Have you been saved? Some of you maybe today would say, you know, I haven't been saved. I, I need to know for sure that heaven is my home. Jesus came that you might be saved. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. I'm not preaching on giving today so that you can say, well, I'll earn my way to heaven by giving X amount of dollars. It could never happen to the richest among us. Never. But he who knew all the glorious riches of heaven came and became poor for you that you might be rich and go with him. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Have you trusted him as your savior? If not, then the first Grace you need to receive today is God's saving Amen. grace. If you have experienced His saving grace, then let me ask you this. Have you experienced His life-changing grace? Because you could be saved and yet not be living the way that God wants you to. He, he wants you to live a totally changed life, and He can do that by His grace. And then being involved in His work and world missions, His grace motivating you. So evaluate where you are today. Evaluate and let God prepare your heart to see, Lord, spiritually, help me today. Would you stand with every head bowed and every eye closed? Today, I, I wonder <clears throat> spiritually how you are, where you are before the Lord. First of all, your salvation. We encourage you to come here this morning. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that you would come and trust Him as your Lord and Savior today. Just like the Corinthians needed to do years ago, would you come and trust him? And then today, those of you that are believers, what are your priorities? How, how is your uh, heart towards the things of God? Have you grown spiritually cold? Are other things more important to you than God's work? I want to encourage you today to come and say, God, my, my heart has grown cold towards these things. I've been so accustomed to it or so much else is going on. I needed that reminder today. Father, I come to you this morning and I thank you that you love us all and you gave us of your grace, dear God, in Jesus Christ to, for salvation and then for the changes of life that you want to bring to us. And I pray today, God, that you'd help us not to come in any wise to offer excuses but help us, dear God, to come and to humble ourselves before you and to make sure that we are giving your way. In Jesus' name.